Just look at this studio filled with fabulous prizes. Ooh. All waiting to be won on Score North's... Pick your prize! Behind door number one is a $10,000 gift card to Chanhassen Dinner Theaters for shows, concerts, food, and beverage. Ooh. Door number two has $10,000 in home improvements for your kitchen, bathroom, windows, and more from Minnesota Rusco and Companies. Ah. And behind door number three, LASIK eye procedure from Dr. Lovanoff at Ovo LASIK and Lens. And a fantastic vacation. No surprise zoinks. What you want, you pick. 14 prizes in all, each valued at $10,000. Sign up for Score North's Pick Your Prize. You can register daily through the Score North app or go to scorenorth.com keyword prize. Sweepstakes begins March 18th. Special thanks to our prize partners. Pitch. Yelich swings and lifts one deep into center field. Buxton going back, climbs the wall, it's gone! Dead center field, Christian Yelich, his sixth home run of the year, and the Brewers lead it 6-1. to one. You know, It was just a poor outing, you know, unfortunately put us in a really bad position today and uh, lost the game for us, so... You know, I think uh, seeing the guys that st- uh, stepped up today in the bullpen uh, was huge. Yeah, I think, you know, just going out there and, and putting us in that position is difficult. It's obviously hard for me to swallow and uh, need to do better than that. That's not uh, it's not acceptable. Uh, an unhappy Rich Hill. We're going to break the Twins game down like it's a football game. As usual, I have some reckless Timberwolves speculation for you. A third superstar idea. And... Uh, what happens when your career just goes up in smoke because you had a hot mic? We'll play that clip for you. Well, not that clip. We'll play Please the apo- we'll play the apology Please clip don't. for you. I don't think we can play the first clip even on a podcast. <laughs> we shouldn't, anyways. But uh, a quick shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated has been helping business owners in the state of Minnesota for over a hundred years, and never more than 2020. If you are a business owner and you're going through this tumultuous year. And you just want that frontline protection, that peace of mind, that security, risk management tools, and written pandemic policies, all kinds of different things that Federated offers. You can find out more information at federatedinsurance.com. You can find a full list of industries Federated protects, and you can find information about your local representative at Federated. Remember, at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Football. Season's over. Oh, it's, it's all done. falling apart. Yeah, no, it all done. fell apart last night at Target Field. I mean, Mitch Garver is hurt now. Rich Hill turned into a pumpkin. Um, Buxton is struggling again. What? What's the second time they've left? been blown out this season, too? What's left? Adrianza going to pitch again tonight, you think? I love that move, by the you way. Might as well Put bring that position back. player out there. That was the quietest home run I have ever heard in person. I didn't even know he hit it out. Like, and it wasn't just because I wasn't paying attention. Like, I was like, oh, wait, he's trotting around the bases. He hit the baseball out. And, and no one noticed. And it was a thing in the press. No one noticed he hit the ball out. Hey, what happened? So you almost got hit with a foul very ball in close. the press box last night? Very, very close. So where I'm at, so they had the plexiglass in front of every person in the press box, at least in rows two and three. If you're in the front row and from the open air, they don't have the little 
plexiglass in front so of you. So you guys can't like breathe on each other, basically. Exactly, and are, are spread bunch out of, all bunch your, of mouth breathers. All, in that all press the COVID box. germs from Score North. Ugh. Correct. Yeah. And uh, so everyone in the second and third row has a little plexiglass in front of us, and I forget who hit it, but someone hit a ball. And I mean, if if this is the, the camera right here, if this is where I'm sitting, the ball smoked the wall right underneath the camera. Like I got out of the way because I was convinced I was going to get another concussion, another <laughs> ball coming towards me. It would have hit the plexiglass. And I dove because I didn't want to. I didn't want to get hit. It, it was it was coming at the plexiglass. It, it would have it would have hit your plexiglass. It would have. It was probably it about hurt you. three inches below the plexiglass. The plexiglass. And- the plexiglass, though, gives you, in that second row, so much confidence. Now it's just outstanding. I, I, ba- I backed up. I didn't duck. Confidence from foul balls or confidence from mouth-breathing media members from that both. might give you COVID? Both. Okay. Both. It's hockey glass. If, it's fantastic. If, that uh, that would have taken the plexiglass out. The worst it would have done was backed up the plexiglass towards you. If Roycey or uh, Phil Miller was there, it would have easily smoked them if they wouldn't have ducked. Like, it, it was right on their headline of where that seat is for the second strip spot. You know, my favorite press box fall ball story is Patrick Roycey. This is like the first year or two of Target Field when there used to be fans at the ballpark. I don't know if you guys remember yeah. that. There used to be fans inside baseball stadiums. And so the Legends Club is, like, literally just, like, right out. People walk by, you know, the, the back row of the Legends Club, and you can just talk to people in the press box. And so Lavelle gets all kinds of, like, Lavelle, you know, Roycey will get chided from time to time. And a foul ball came in the press box like eight or nine years ago. And it and it must have split right between two Star Tribune guys, including Patrick Roycey. And so Pat picks it up. And there's a bunch of people in the Legends Club and kids and stuff. You know, throw in the ball. And so Pat Pat gets up and he's he's holding the ball up like, all right, who should I throw it to? You know, is there a kid out there? And and one of these dads picks up his kid. I don't know, like some seven-year-old kid on his shoulders like, throw it to my kid, throw it to my kid. And so Pat reaches out to give the kid the ball. And then as the kid reaches out, Pat pulls it back and says, no. <laughs> and, then, and then, if you recall, he waited and then quietly, like, between eating so he wouldn't turn out to be, it wouldn't look like he's a nice guy, went out and gave the kid the ball. He did, yeah. yeah. But, but, but he, it was he made a show of, he, of being the bad guy. Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah, well, no, a, a ball came into the press box during the um, in one of the two games on Saturday, and Phil got it, and Pat goes, throw it to the kid out there. Of course, there's no kid out there. What, what's the closest that, that you've come to being smoked? I came. Oh, v- very. I almost very. got. I almost got taken out by one that came into when we used to sit up by the Fox Sports North people, which we did for a long time in that third row. And it was a weird hopper, and it came. And it smoked in the press box, and I think it hopped off the table right by me. Oh yeah, and it went up and hit the ceiling, and that's that like false. I I don't know what, but it cracked it. Yeah, I had one. I was like, oh my god, that would hurt. I had one in the in the top row once bounce off of the front row table and then up like whizzed by my ear and then hit the metal. There's like a metal. Yes. I don't know something. Um, so it def- it definitely happens. I would say, uh, I would say that the second row is probably where you're because, like, if one bounces off the first row, second row is like yeah. eye level sitting in that press. That box. press box is sneaky though because you don't get a ton of balls, but you get enough that it behooves you to pay attention. Yeah, but lots of times it builds a false sense of security. But with the plexiglass now, I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing. I want the plexiglass to stay. You I don't want. Well, you gone. just want all the antisocial things. Correct. I think. There's a lot of there, there's a lot of good things that they people are doing to protect themselves that I'd like to see for the rest of my existence. 
So no handshakes, nobody oh, within no six handshake. feet of you ever. No people, people in grocery stores. If you see someone else in an aisle, you just beeline to the elevator. Next aisle. I'm gone. Yeah, door. I'm not holding. Have you guys been in? Uh, by the way, uh, that's a wrap on breaking baseball football. down like it's football. <laughs> and that's it. Twins got their asses kicked last night. We will talk about a couple things. But have you guys been to grocery stores where they have the one way tape on the on, on the, the floor? Ground. So you, if you go down an aisle, you have yeah. to go down the aisle. Yeah, and then. Are you ever in a position where you're the only one in the aisle and you realize, oh, there was something five feet back that I have to oh, go sure. get? And then as you're walking back to get it, like someone else comes in there. I I, have, I never know how to handle those COVID situations. I go back and grab it. I, but I you're really going don't. against the, the, the I have my the mask era. on. Like, it's not like I'm coming up all up in your grill. Like, I, I go back and grab it. I have no problem. How far it. back are we talking about? What if it's like like halfway down the That's aisle? That's what I was going to say. I think uh, this halfway also, down the aisle. Th- this is a proximity play right here. Halfway down the aisle. No one's looking. Around. You go get it. Yeah. yeah. What if someone's at the very edge of the? See, this is I, this but is how why far, this is why oh, I yeah. order groceries. Yeah. But how Minnesota. how far are you going back? Is my question. So like, if it's um, a couple, if it's very very close, then you obviously just go back and have no regrets. I'm kind of a rule follower, and so I tend if it's if it's more than like five or ten feet. I tend to just go around to the other aisle, go the one way, and then come back. Do you decide at times it's not important enough to pursue it and that the time has passed to get this thing, and so you just decide to move on? Depends what it is. Depends what it is. If it's uh, if it's dairy-free ice cream, I'm going back. Okay. Toilet paper, you just my like, I'll fix. get that next time. That's fine. Yeah, I can use paper towel, yep. or I can just emergency Tissue. shower. Tissue, ooh. A little tissue. I'll, I'll go paper Dude, t- tissue's tough, man. Yeah, pa- paper that breaks towel too easy. Over, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, paper. paper towel, though. No, no, no. Pa- paper towel is You're paper. saying if given the choice between a paper towel I'll, and a tissue, you're going tissue. Yeah, you know That's why? That's dangerous. What? Because you double up on tissue. Go, go two or three. A paper a paper towel is a little bit painful, I'm going to tell you right now. Well, yeah, but, the, but there's not as much residue. Like the, there's there's going to be a lot hold of on stragglers a there. I just said you take a tissue, not one, but you take about three of them. And then That's, three pieces of tissue equal like uh, one normal ply toilet. But now paper. you're spending way too much money on tissue. Yeah. No, I'm saying you might, emer- so no, 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 use I'm like not 20 saying, tissues. I'm not saying that this is the ordinary course of action. I'm saying in emergency, break glass, take three things of tissue. Hmm. So I'm not Football. trying to say that you take all the tissue. Hmm. Yeah, what you think last night that ball game, huh? Not much of it. Didn't think much of it. In fact, I uh, I didn't watch the last half of the ball game because the first half told me everything I needed to know. Uh, Rich Hill was, I think, predictably like coming off of what a three week layoff in that spot, and yes, that that lineup was due to wake up to some extent. It's not that lineup isn't as good as the Twins lineup, but that Brewers lineup was due to wake up to some extent. All of their hitters were hitting like two twenty or worse. It felt like coming into the series. So I think the question for Rich Hill is. Is has he reached some sort of breaking point at age forty? Where all right, he's been great the last five years when he's healthy, uh, but he's just he's just too broken down. Or was this just him knocking off the rust after yes. sitting out for three weeks? And I don't know the answer, but that's the question. So in, in the post game with Baldelli, Dan Hayes of the Athletic brought up a good question. I thought that um, applies to this too. And Baldelli being Baldelli was not really going to give you the straight answer to what he actually thinks. But it was this. How much does the inability to send a guy like Rich Hill to take your pick wherever to make a start or two starts to knock that rust off? 
and then come back and, and make a start here. How much does that hurt? Because it makes perfect sense. Like you're now asking guys, you're basically telling uh, players who are coming off lengthy stints on the IL to rehab themselves, but then make their rehab start in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. So I'm not willing. I'm not willing to go down the path that this is some type of oh my god, Rich Hill really is cooked and this is done and it's not going to work. I need to see him. I need to see a collection. I think in fairness of at least three starts to say either, okay, it's not going to work, or you know what, it might not be as perfect or or as good as you thought it was going to be, but it's also not an unmitigated disaster. Also, it felt like where he was misfiring, a lot of breaking balls just sort of left, to to steal a phrase from Burp Ladlevin, up in the zone. It just didn't seem like he was burying the Did that occur at the major league level? Well, last night you could argue that Rich Hill was not pitching at a major league level, uh, but... (laughs) I think it, with that pitch, and again, I've like I've never been a pitcher in my life at any level, and I've never certainly thrown a curveball that looks like Rich Hills. But I would think even at age forty, you can't just like wake up after not facing major league hitters for two or three weeks and bury that massive twelve to six breaking ball that he throws. So it's he, there's probably just a certain level of feel that you need, and like you said, you don't get a chance to go down for a rehab start in Rochester or. Uh, or wherever it may be, yeah, Cedar Rapids or something. Yeah. Who cares where it is? So yeah, and he's a he's a two pitch pitcher. I mean, he's literally fastball curveball. That's all he threw yesterday. And even even with baseball savant, like he threw twenty three curveballs. No, none of them were swinging misses. The only whiffs he got was three, and that was on a, all of his fastballs, which was at yeah. topped at eighty nine miles an hour. And so that tells me, and again, like. So he threw 23 breaking balls. He got three swings and misses. Were they all on breaking got, balls? No, they were all on his fastball. So he, he got, got no swings no and misses, swing on, and misses ball. on his okay. breaking ball. Yeah, so, it's not so, sure. so he's throwing, and, and by the way, he, he is a big strikeout pitcher. He doesn't profile as one because he doesn't throw 97 miles an hour, but he strikes out like 9, 10, I want to say 11 batters per nine. And the curveball is the one that freezes hitters and that they swing and miss on. So so I guess we're just kind of in a holding pattern with Richill. I don't know. We'll see what happens. If he can make his next start, then... We'll see what happens. All right, other things Football. from this game. Oh, oh, can I can I give you? It, it's it's small, and ultimately, with this being a six run game, it didn't uh, come back to bite the Twins in the butt one bit. But can I give you my favorite, my favorite little snapshot of last night's game? So on Sunday into Monday against the Royals, we saw Rosario on left field make two great plays. Right, he made the sliding catch and the double play <laughs> on Sunday, which which you know probably saved that game and. Monday, he picks the ball off the fence and guns the guy at second base. And you say to yourself, that, there that, my friends, is engaged Eddie. That is E squared. <laughs> but but my favorite Rosario is V-E, Vacant Ed, because Vacant Ed is so much fun. The Jack Jones Memorial, although Jacques is not dead, thank God, home uh, throw home last night on the uh, Garcia two-run single, at which he really didn't have a chance to get the guy who was scoring from second, but he made the throw, and he's got yeah. the gun, and it sailed over everybody and hit the back of the, hit the backstop, the brick back there, uh, and allowed Garcia to go to second. I, be- I believe it hit the net. Okay, yeah. I believe it sailed That's the most, over everything. Uh, but how peak Eddie? The, how great! It's like Eddie's back. That's the Eddie yeah. I know and love. So uh, Eddie Rosario, both in the field and at the plate, not all the time, but every once in a while, like at least once a week, he's a make up your mind before anything happens guy. <laughs> he's a all right. I'm at the plate. 
it's 0-2, and I am making up my mind that I am swinging at this next pitch type of a guy. And it doesn't matter if the pitch bounces eight feet in front of home plate. He has made up his mind. This is the pitch. I'm just going to close my eyes and swing as hard as I can. And he does that in the field, too. And sometimes he does it on the base pass. I have made up my mind I am going to score on this play. I don't care what the third base coach is saying. I don't care where the ball is. Like I'm just going to keep running until I score or I get tagged out. And that throw was very much, all right, I don't care where the runner is. I don't even really care where the catcher is. I'm just going to uncork <laughs> yes. this throw. I've made up my mind I'm going to uncork this throw as far as I can. So some Football. classic Eddie. Just a small s- snapshot that brought a smile to my yeah. face in last night's game. This was Rocco Baldelli on Mitch Garver being pulled from the game with some sort of a side injury. Yeah, we, we have some concern. We're gonna we're gonna kind of wait and assess it and uh, figure out over the next twenty four hours really what we're dealing with. No way to really know that at the moment. He was uncomfortable, so uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna find that out. And obviously, a few things going on recently uh, in the health department, so. We need to use this time to to get straightened out, and and you know we may end up taking advantage of our depth in some ways. The twins aren't going to be the most transparent when it comes to injuries, but he hurt it on a swing, right? Yeah, so striking Matthew. out. Yeah, he, he hurt it on a swing, and it's a side injury. That's ninety five percent of the time. That's an oblique injury, oblique. and oblique injuries ninety five percent of the time you're out for at least three weeks. Yep. So that puts him out until probably after Labor Day, which, by the way. The Twins aren't going to miss his production from the last month. And he could probably use about two or three weeks to clear his head, get right physically, and maybe take some extra batting practice or something. So, again, like, not ideal to have Mitch Garver out, but he's been your worst hitter so far in your lineup. So, my guess is that La Tortuga is coming um, over from St. Paul. Yeah. Here's, Here's the interesting one, though. Here's sort of the ballsy call here. Ryan Jeffers. You give him a shot. Like, he's coming from St. Paul, okay? Do you give? And I know the starts clocks, and I know that there's conversations to be had about that. But this kid looked pretty good. I think there might be some there there. Do you give him at least a look-see? Because, Are because you saying he looked good in spring or what? In, he, looked, he looked very competent in the summer camp. But my point is, with Astadia, you, you know exactly what you're going to to get. And if Garver's out for three weeks, Avila's going to catch the majority of the, the games at that point. We know that. I'm just saying, do you consider making a little bit of an outside the box call and giving this kid a chance? Um, I would be really careful about that because I think at this point you have to punt offense at that position. So I don't, I don't, let's start with Ryan Jeffers, okay? I just wanted to see how many at-bats he's taken above A-ball. And I and it, I, I thought I, he did play double-A for a while last year, I, I, and I, didn't, I thought he was an A-ball guy. So he did, mm-hmm. he, did uh, he, he took 99 plate appearances at double-A Pensacola last year. What did I say? Chattanooga? They're Pensacola now. Yeah, they're Pensacola. Pensacola. The Blue They Hens switched it like two years ago. Wahoos. Wahoos and they were in New Blue, Britain like Blue five Wales. years ago. They've switched it like three times. Okay. Um, but, you know, and, and he was fine in those 99 player appearances. But my point offensively is you can't rely on Ryan Jeffers having only seen 99 plate appearances above a ball to come in and do anything against Major League Pitching. Alex Avila kind of is what he is offensively at this point. He and he's going to be a good catch hitter. now. Yeah. And, and La, I think actually La Tortuga is your best chance to provide offense from that position. But Alex Avila is probably your best just steady defensive pitch-calling catcher. So at this point, I would not worry about offense at that position. 
Because here's the problem. If you say, all right, well, Ryan. Well, the Twins aren't right now either. You're right, right and, Mitch, and Mitch Garver wasn't giving you anything. No. You'd like to hope that he could. But here's the problem. If you bring Ryan Jeffers up, hoping that, all right, he's the most, he, he is the highest upside offensive catcher right now in your system and maybe even just of anyone in the Twin Cities right now working out. But the problem is he's probably not going to be great working with major league pitchers, calling balls and strikes, and just playing captain behind the plate because he's so inexperienced. So I would mm-hmm. just say that b- between Avila and Jeffers and La Tortuga, none of those guys are going to be great with the bat. So just pick the one or the combo that give you the best opportunity to maximize your pitching. That's where I would go. Garver, uh, so if he does go on the IL in 17 games, slashing 154, 262, 212, a home run, and two RBIs. He has struck out through Wednesday 24 times and 52 at-bats. It's rough. That is a tough, tough Shortened season. It is rough. It is rough. Uh, in his defense, you see a lot of guys over a 30-day stretch perform poorly. I mean, say all you want about Jose Altuve, like, not knowing what pitches are coming. But Jose Altuve is pretty much hitting. He's a little bit better than that. But he's one of the best hitters yeah, in baseball. Yeah, no, I'm just saying. It's been, a, it's been a very tough road for a guy who hit, what, 31 home so, runs last year? If the Twins were, like, hovering around 500 and, you know, fighting for the eight seed, I would think this is a huge problem. But... Again, every, they started so hot now, even with the loss last night. They can afford to just, all right, listen, Mitch, just go sit out for like three or four weeks. The goal is October. Josh mm-hmm. Donaldson, just chill out. The goal is October at this point and just get those guys. If you can get them some at-bats like in the two I know weeks what leading they need up to October. To do. I know exactly what the answer is here. It's high time that, that Marwin Gonzalez learns how to catch. <laughs> you know, I'm sick of Marwin being like, I can't catch. All this BS about I can play right, I can play second, I can play third, I can play first, I can play short, I can play left. You know what? This is a bunch of crap from Marwin. He's dilly-dallying around and not applying himself fully. Marwin Gonzalez should be the catcher, too. He's getting paid to be the super utility guy. Yeah, and what, what are you doing? Yeah, you got to be able to sit back there. Denny Hawking did it, like, twice. <laughs> I think. What are you doing? So, Mitch Garver. It's going on the, uh, on the injured list, almost certainly. Football. Um, anything else from the game itself before we get to a man probably shipwrecking his career last night on TV? Uh, yeah, I got one more. It's a very nondescript game. Like They were just kind of due to get their asses kicked at some point. You, you, you knew when uh, Caleb Thielbar and Lewis Thorpe were your first two Oh, Lewis Thorpe. Oh. <laughs> we got to talk about Lewis Thorpe. Thank there you. We go. Okay, first of all, when a guy <laughs> has a social media meltdown like he did at the beginning of spring training, that's like right. early 2020, oh, right. yeah, yeah. like that dude... He he disappeared from the face of the earth from camp and just went on like a social media rant fest. Yeah, he was very upset with it, it was, how it was, by twins. It was very odd. It's like you've done nothing in the major leagues to warrant any sort of credibility or roster spot. They just signed, you know, they traded for Roma last year. They signed Tyler Clippard. Like, dude, just shut up and go to go to camp and pitch. And like the way he reacted was a huge red flag that tells me, whoa, okay, this dude lacks emotional intelligence, probably isn't going to be the guy that you're going to lean on in a crisis spot in a game. And they're not leaning on him for that, but not shocking at all that he would come in last night and just get shelled. 72 pitches, just a complete like sacrificial lamb outing for him last night. But they act- He'll get sent down today, I'm sure. But they actually did. So here, here's the one thing. The Twins, I think, for the most part, do right by their players, right? Like... Rocco never rips them. They're never critical. Um, I think they treat their players pretty well. But I love the once or twice a year, basically, Twins Mafia hit 
on their relief pitcher who's going to be the <laughs> sacrificial lamb, who, yep. who, who is the guy in the restaurant with his back to the door, and they come in and cap him, basically. It, it, I think it was I think it was Zach Littell last year in Tampa Bay had the same type of thing, and I, I right. talked about this at that time, and I love it. I love this. Look, you can you can pitch great for four innings. You can pitch great for three of the four. We just don't really care. But here's what you're going to do: you're going to pitch, and you're not coming out. And and you, the bases can be loaded 18 times during the course of a two inning span. And you know what? When you look in the bullpen, Louie, you ain't going to see anybody up. No one's going to be up to help you. You know why? Because you are the sacrificial lamb. It it is the it is the equivalent of the baseball mafia relief pitcher hit. Yeah, I love that. I love that comparison. And they do it like once or twice. They don't do it much, but when they do it, they are committed to it. And there's nothing that you can do to get yourself removed from that mount. What was he upset about going into spring training again? That he wasn't getting enough of an opportunity? No, they took him off. Didn't they? Uh, didn't they? I think they shipped him out to the minor league side he, earlier he than like, expected. Right? He That's... was one of the first cuts, like one of the first cuts. And I think he was mostly upset that yeah, he didn't get enough look in spring training. As to, for, to possibly earn the fifth starter, which he faced an extreme uphill battle to grab that. So I think he was just upset that he was cut super early from camp. But he went on, I want to say it was something like a three or four day Twitter. Like there were tweets for three or four days. Cryptic. It didn't really stop. Yeah, he went on a cryptic, weird Twitter run. Like, dude, you had almost a five ERA at AAA last year. Just keep your mouth shut. Come in, perform. Well, he got his chance last told. night, boys. Yep. And, and so, you know what? Come out on him. He pitched very solid for three innings of work. And for one, he got absolutely hammered. Well, absolutely hammered. That's, the, that's what Guardy always used hey, to do say. I hey, still... he, he gave up nine in the first inning, but he settled down and pitched five, okay? Oh, and, and the great thing, Rocco praised Thorpe. Thorpe did a great job. Thorpe, Thorpe couldn't Thorpe. have done better. And, and then Rich Hill praised him. By, and by the way, Rich Hill's self-criticism last night was outstanding. Like, he... If he could have said, I bleeping bleeped, he would have said it. There was a moment where Wes Johnson came out pretty pretty close to when he got hooked, I think. It was, I think it was in the third inning. And Wes Johnson comes out. Well, there, actually, let me back up a step. Rich Hill threw a close borderline pitch. It, was, it, was a, it really wasn't borderline. It was a strike. It was a strike. But his breaking ball dives so far <laughs> the down. The one. Sometimes when the catcher yes. catches it, it's like down by the feet, but it broke through the zone. And yes. the umpires are idiots. And so they don't, like the K zone doesn't miss that, but home plate umpire guy who's flipping coins does. And so Rich, so the, the guy takes a walk. Is it Jer- Jerko? Yeah. Whatever. The guy took a walk. Yes. And, uh, and Rich Hill just sweating and laboring. And he's like 70 pitches through two and two thirds. And he walks halfway to the mound and Fox Sports North does a close up on him. And he goes, was that down? Yeah. And the umpire must have said, yeah. And he goes, it wasn't bleeping down. And he stares at him for a second, then turns around. Wes Johnson comes out to calm him down, clearly seeing like, all right, this is escalating now. So Wes Johnson comes walking out. And Rich Hill is just staring lasers into Wes Johnson's soul. And basically, if I could read lips right, he goes, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm sure he did. Yeah, but the, but, but the, the great thing about Wes is like, we, like, I think Wes is Mr. Positive. Like, you know, let's go here, let's go. And I think Rich Hill is 40 and, like, bleep you. Yeah. So, I suck. So so Wes comes out. Rich Hill kind of rolls his eyes, like, no disrespect to Wes Johnson, but he's like, you know, I'm 40. I, I know that I'm struggling. I just yeah, don't, let me deal with it on my own. You don't need to help me through this. Yep. And, and so he, he goes, what? And Wes Johnson has his back to the camera, so I don't know, what, and a mask on. So I don't know what Wes said, but Wes said something for, like, three to maybe five seconds. And Rich Hill goes, 
okay, let's bleep and go, and basically shoes him back to the dugout. Life. I love Rich Hill. Yeah, man. when he even, I don't know if it was the Braun home run or a home run that he gave up early, and it was a very delayed, but he's like, he gets the ball back, he trots behind the mound, he's, you know, he's like rubbing the ball in his hand and then just lets out the loudest F-bomb. <laughs> And like everyone heard it, but it was so delayed. It was like by the time like the Brewers guy had already got in the clubhouse, he let one out. He turned. He he often. I, I think he swears loud more than we can hear. But yeah. he tries to turn towards Buxton to do it. He's trying to be respectful. But at right? one. Yeah. But at, but at at some points he gets the ball back and he can't help himself and it's just. Deli- <laughs> but amazing. his his criticism of himself in the post game last night was just fantastic because you couldn't. There's nothing that you could have written or said about Rich Hill's start that would be harsher than what Rich Hill said about himself. It's amazing. So that's breaking a baseball game football. down like it's a football. Oh, game. oh, we forgot one thing. We forgot to preview tonight's uh, series finale against the Brew Crew at Target oh. Field. Yeah, meals. We got some excite. We got meals on wheels behind the plate, baby. You thought you thought last night was bad with Ed Hickox? No way. Jerry Meals, who was at first base oh, and managed to blow a call, but they could, of course, review and fix those blown calls by Jerry last night, and they did. On I believe it was the uh, Sano double play ball Good in which Jerry. he was safe, clearly safe, and he was called out, and then they got it right. You can't review balls and strikes. We got Jerry tonight, man. Love it. Love me some Jerry. You know what? Good luck, Jose Barrios. There's a few umpires that get me to tune into a ball game. Angel Hernandez, Joe West, and Jerry Meals. You know the sad thing is? You're not kidding, though. You will watch this game just to see how bad Jerry is. Right. Maybe maybe all this mocking of no one tunes into the umpires. You know what? They've gotten so bad, some of these guys. I am here for it. It's Leslie Nielsen. Who's the other guy? uh, That's in the uh, terrible home plate umpires. Jerry Meals is one of them. C.B. Buckner. C.B. Buckner. Oh, yeah. He oh he God. had the plate in Pittsburgh uh, for w- one of the three Twins games there, and he was just gloriously awful. I did. I always love when I'm able to show the 1997 Eric Gregg performance oh, to someone for the first time. That, that is, yes. I texted it to a friend who had never seen it a couple days ago. We were bitching about umpires. I'm like, have you ever seen the Eric Gregg clip? No. Oh, my God. This is amazing. It is, it is straight out of Naked God. Everything but it, was but a it happened in the NLCS. Everything was a strike, baby. Those Braves pitches were good. Uh, quick shout out to Pod MN, a great place to discover local podcasts. Free to download in the Apple or Google Play stores. It's a brand new app. Just came out a few months ago, and you can discover not only like you, if you would listen to Score North shows like Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily, etc. Uh, Ricey Unchained. You can find other local sports podcasts that you may not have heard of before. It is a great discovery mechanism, and you get rewarded for listening to local podcasts. PodMN and PodMN app on Twitter. All right. Did you guys, uh, I'm assuming you heard the clip, the actual like Tom Brenneman gaffe that was circulating around uh, Twitter last can night? Can I correct you? That wasn't a gaffe. That's a good point. It, it, that was that, him. That was a deliberate yeah. comment made because he thought a mic wasn't on. So right. he he's they were like coming back from commercial break. He is the not only is he one of the top Fox football announcers for a number of years, he's been a local baseball announcer. He was Cubs in the late nineties, he's been Reds for a number of years. He calls Reds games. And they're coming back from commercial break. And he referred to I think he was talking about Kansas City because they were playing in Kansas City, but he was, he was referring to some city as the uh I can't say it, but he used the derogatory word for homosexuals, mm-hmm. the F word. The other F word. Yeah. As the blankiest city in America. And then there's a pause. And then like they come back from commercial break. And at some point between when that happened and it starts circulating around social media, about two hours later, 
he takes to the airwaves. And so I don't know if he was informed right away or if it took a couple hours, but someone got to him when something happened and said, all right, dude, we can't have you broadcasting this game anymore. And so this is what Tom Brenneman delivered in the middle of an inning. Out of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith, as there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos that will be a home run, and so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. I don't know if it's going to be for the Reds. I don't know if it's going to be for my bosses at Fox. I want to apologize for the people who signed my paycheck, for the Reds, for Fox Sports Ohio, for the people I work with. For anybody that I've offended here tonight, I can't begin to tell you how deeply sorry I am. That is not who I am uh, and never has been. And I'd like to think maybe I could have some people that uh, that could back that up. I am very, very sorry, and I beg for your forgiveness. Jim Dale, take you the rest of the way home. Can we start with the fact that Nick Castellanos hits a home run in the middle of his apology, in the middle of potentially the last time he's ever broadcasting a sporting event? Because he probably gets canceled after this. He's old enough, like... He's, I mean, there's almost no way he broadcast. Like, there's no well, way he broadcasts yeah. a Reds game again. No. no, and I can't think that there's going to be a way that he calls a uh, football games on Fox after that. Would you? Would you guys have called that home run if you're Tom Brenneman and your career is ending well, and you're apologizing to the audience? Let's stop right. Do you call that home run? No. Let's stop right there. If you're going to do that, if you're Fox, right? Okay. So he says that, and he doesn't get the hook instantly. So this clearly, and rightfully so, goes up a food chain, right? Like, what should we do? It's during a game, but but in this, you know, in 2020, he probably has to be yanked. Who on earth doesn't say, all right, well, if, if we're going to allow him the opportunity to issue the apology, we have to blow out a break of some sort. Why are you doing it during a game? Like, this had to get to the president... The person that runs Fox Sports Ohio. How do you not? Why are you doing it during a game? It's just, I just, it's so ridiculous. I, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's comical. It, it was done. The whole thing's done so poorly. And then he apologizes profusely to his bosses. I just like, I can't decide yeah. if I can't decide if it's a total pro move or if it's a total like insensitive, oblivious move. It, to call that home run in the middle of your apology. Let's play this again. Out of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith, as there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos that will be a home run, and so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But how do you but allow... His career so is coming to an end because... And, and for the record, he says, I, you know, I apologize... Uh, I feel terrible. This is not who I am. Dude, the tone of what he said and the way he said it, very cavalier, that is exactly and, who he is. <laughs> and it's the most 2020 thing of all time. The apology is, I'm a man of faith. Hmm, let's see, man of faith, man of faith. religious. How many people have we seen in 2020 who go to church all the time? And are complete jerks. Yeah, for the record. And I, I has nothing I, to do. One has nothing to do with the other. I believe in God. I believe. Okay, that's great. It does nothing to do with what you said. To me, there's nothing more despicable than using religion as like a like, like a leverage point to say, well, listen, I can't be a terrible person because I practice religions. Like that is an insult to your religion. Yes, and that is an insult to your family. And so, like that, like to use it as a shield. Come on now. 
That's disrespectful. If and maybe even worse than disrespectful. But don't you, if you're going to allow him to apologize, don't you do it outside the context of the actual game going on? Like to me, his bosses set in motion what you just played, which is an absolutely ridiculous uh, silliness of and and look. You didn't even have to allow him that. Just yank him off. Just say. Well, I think you have to explain why he's off right. the broadcast. His, his, his partner, who has to, of course, carry the rest of the game, could very easily come back on and say, hey, Tom's off the game. Guess why? Because you all heard him say something that was incredibly insensitive. Yeah. So, and, and he, correct me if I'm wrong, but his father, Marty Brenneman, was the Reds, the longtime Reds announcer. WLW radio guy. Just retired after last season. Yeah. So, the Brennemans have been broadcasting Reds baseball for a long time. How did you guys feel? So he's 56 years old, Tom Brenneman. He has been either the second or third play-by-play guy on Fox Sunday NFL broadcast. There was a time, I think Kevin Burkhart took over the, the second role, but there was a time when, when Joe Buck would call the World Series every single year. Tom Brenneman would step in with Troy Aikman, and he would be the lead NFL play-by-play guy for Fox. I think he's probably off those Fox games at this point because the season starts in three weeks, and he just said this, and this is... There's really no time to be derogatory toward groups of people. This is the worst possible time to be derogatory toward groups of people and minorities. And so I don't think he's going to be broadcasting Reds games or Fox games. I think it's possible he's been canceled, quote unquote. How do you guys feel about cancel culture in this case? If Tom Brenneman's career as a broadcaster is over because of this, how would you guys feel? I feel fine because it's not. So cancel culture is can get a little bit crazy if a bunch of people decide that they don't like an opinion that somebody has, okay? Then then we got a problem, and I, I think we've got a conversation that can be had, and I'm sure that that happens and has taken place, and so that's a conversation um, that I'd like to have, all right? But when you flat out say something into a mic that you assume is off, but it's clearly how you feel, to me, it's not cancel culture. It's you chose you chose your next move, yeah. and your next move is to, and I guess the one thing this comes down to now is what seventeen years after the fact or so, what Bert said into a live mic that he thought was being recorded uh, with Lapanta before the Yankees game in what two thousand three or so, when he just dropped f bombs and got suspended for like eight games. Uh, that you can come back from. Look, right. it's a mistake, and it's a stupid mistake, but it's a mistake, and F-bombs are F-bombs, and they're not going to hurt anybody, and if you are hurt by them, you need yeah, to rethink he, your he, life. He wasn't demeaning a group yeah, of no, people. Yeah, no, no. Right. But I think in this case, I don't see this as cancel culture. I see this as a guy revealing who he truly is, and therefore, if he's not going to do Reds games or football games, I absolutely think that's fair, Declan. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it was Myron Medcalf who who brought this up, talking about canceling culture like a few months ago. And like, what if we rephrase the word from cancel culture to accountability culture? Accountability for what you have said and done. Like cancel culture, everyone just, I think, throws it out of the way, throws it in the trash because it's like, oh, like your cancel culture, blah, blah, blah. But if you you say something like that, you need to be held accountable. So it's accountable culture. And if, if, if you're saying something so demeaning and in that tone, then yes, you deserve to lose your job potentially for the rest of your life. We, I'm sorry. we have right now in our society, I think our biggest problem is this. We have such a need among such a large group of people to make everything black and white. So yeah. we come up with phrases and that covers everything. Mm-hmm. That's not life. That's not true. 
everything, and I know it can be long and tedious and difficult, but almost everything, I think, has to be taken on a case-by-case basis. And this one's pretty simple. Yeah. I love the way that you put it, Judd, a couple minutes ago. You know, when it comes to cancel culture, I do think it goes way too far when it comes to someone's opinion. If, so, if, if, if someone believes something that you disagree with, you're going to try and get them canceled in some way. But when it crosses the line of demeaning or, or suppressing a group of minorities, in this case, uh, homosexuals, lesbians, et cetera, LGBTQ, I just think it's okay to give Tom Brenneman a timeout of some kind. You know, I because because the, the, the biggest response you get back is, well, where do we like? Where does it end? Is it anyone who says any, everyone's made a mistake before? Does anyone who says anything, even you know, mildly derogatory, not get a second chance? No one's saying that. Uh, I think what I I'm not saying that Tom Brenneman should never be on a microphone the rest of his career. I'm saying he should probably sit the next one out. Yes, and and just take some time to reflect and think, and and just I, I'd love to know a little bit more about. All right, where where did that come from? You know, you've been a lot. You've been alive for fifty six years. Like, what? Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit more about where that came from. The other mistake people make is, well, how can you know wh- wh- this cancel culture? This is a free country. The First Amendment, freedom of speech, right? Why are we canceling people for saying things? That's well, another one. Well, the First Amendment protects you from being prosecuted based right. on what you say. He can't get arrested for saying what he said, and that is the First Amendment. That's the main. Crux of the First Amendment. I don't want Tom Brenneman to be arrested for saying what he said. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to go that far. But consequences consequences exist for saying certain things. Your employer can say, "Boy, that doesn't represent the way that we feel about the world and the way that we want to communicate with our audience." And so we have to make an example out of Tom Brenneman. That's different. So I just want to clear that up because I've had a couple people tweeting at me like, "It's a free free speech." Right. Well, it is. He's not going to be. He's not. Right. He can say whatever he wants. We just can't arrest him. But there's consequences. Why do we have such a problem today? And I guess this is really across the board. I don't think it's one specific group age wise or specific groups age wise. Why do we have such a problem understanding things like the First Amendment? I don't know. But I mean, we are struggling with this. We have. We are. I mean, all right. I'm not a big fan of school, right? Like I quit college. I don't. I didn't really enjoy school. A lot of classes that were basically just just to keep me do, doing stuff, so I didn't get in trouble. I guess. Or so I'm not sitting here saying that we should hammer home. You know, you should go to law school. Blah. blah. I, no. I need to see clips of Judd and Homek in like oh, eighth grade. That'd be great. I loved Homek. I actually quit. <laughs> I, I actually quit. Um, I quit French in second year at Benilde because I was just awful and oh. failing it. And I switched to a a first period pottery class. Ooh. The greatest thing it was it was it started at seven fifty or eight. Majority of the students, I believe, stoned, which was great. I was about to say <laughs> KQ morning show on every day. Wow! And we would just do pottery. This wow. was at Benilde. It, this was at Benilde, but this class was so great because it was the greatest class that I ever took on people. By the way, your your decision to quit French is a good one. I feel like people who take French, it's just like a, like a wasted class. I took it because like, I, and here's like, why. When are you ever going to speak French? Guess why you I go, took like French. The one trip you make to Paris. Guess why I took French a girl. instead of Spanish, yeah, took, yes. which was stupid. You had a crush on a girl. You had a crush on a girl. Nope. Because oh, I, I liked hockey. And I thought, oh, man, I could speak French. A lot of oh, hockey players. Okay. Uh, it was the stupidest. I mean, one one is, even back then in 
887, I believe, they should have told you, take Spanish, dude. Like, don't, French is off the table. But anyway, I just, I feel like we have a lot of our society that struggles to understand, you know, freedom of speech. What does that mean, right? It means that you can say, I hate the president or the government, and you're not going to be prosecuted for that. Right. But what is this whole thing of, I can't be fired? No, you can't. Huh? Yeah, you, you definitely can't. I, I can walk into <laughs> Phil's office and call him an mf and I'm not going to jail, but I'm probably getting fired. I probably wouldn't fire you for that. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> right, but if you walked in, <laughs> I mean, I mean, but, if you, but if you walked into <laughs> Phil's boss's yeah, he'll, office, he'll, he'll, he fires you he'd fire, fire you, but again, for you're sure. not going to, but why, but, I wouldn't but do that. <laughs> I'm serious. Why do we, why do we have such a problem understanding what the ramifications of our actions are? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's don't a good know, question, dude. man. I, I do think in general there's a lot of things. This is a, a, a different conversation for a different day, but there's a lot of things that have happened in the world and a lot of things, especially when it comes to like racial relations and history in this world, that I don't ever remember being taught. Like I just I just feel like <laughs> yeah, you're right. I you're was right. either not paying attention or it wasn't taught in my, in my uh, schooling growing up. So anyways, Tom Brenneman. What a legendary professional call here to hit that Nick Castellanos home run. Out of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith, as there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will drive. be a home run. And- there's, there's a Dude. drive. Did, there's did, a deep drive. Did Brockmeyer not cross your mind? <laughs> oh, it did. Swing and a drive. Did Brockmeyer not cross your mind as <laughs> okay. you called that home run? Okay, I'm sorry. Just one more thing, and then we'll get into other matters here, including some reckless speculation, but... Listen to this clip one more time, and imagine if he would have throttled this home run call. Okay, what it like? <laughs> God, full of nonsense. Jr. Out of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a a man of faith. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. I I am so very sorry. I pride myself on being a man of faith and being a man of morals. And there's a drive deep left field. That ball is gone. And I just hope that my bosses can see through this mistake and keep me employed. Give me a paycheck. It is. Oh, man. Uh, Tom Brenneman. All right. Um, so, Vikings. Yeah. All kinds How of- do you transition now? So. <laughs> how, how would you say you're doing, Dalvin? Cambria countertops. Um, so, <laughs> that's, a, that's a Sunday sports show. Deep track reference there. Um, Let me tell you something. Reckless speculation in a second, but the most important Vikings thing today. We're doing this uh, throughout training camp here. If you want the deep dives into Vikings, we're doing 25, 30-minute episodes of Purple Daily every single day. Apple, Spotify, ScoreNorth.com, and also our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash ScoreNorth. Dalvin Cook and the Vikings, according to multiple reports, have reached an impasse with contract discussions. Contract talks have broken down. The Vikings have... An offer on the table for Dalvin and his representatives, and they had a deadline of, I believe, Tuesday for Dalvin to say yes or no. Excuse me. There's been no further communication. So as of right now, the Vikings have an offer out. The deadline, quote unquote, the fake deadline has passed. And uh, so obviously Dalvin Cook wants more money than the Vikings are offering. And so right now the two sides are no longer talking. How do you think this ends Project forward. How do you think this ends? Well, I think it might end with an extension here um, because breaking off talks means nothing. Now, once the season starts, that might change. But until then, I think it might end. So, okay, so if you're going to ask me just from an analysis point of view, I think it still ends. It probably ends with an extension. 
How do I think it should end? Like this. I'm going to tell you right now, flat out, I am, if if you are listening out there and you think that Judd Zolgad does not like the Vikings, listen to me clearly, ladies and gents. I love what the Vikings are doing here. They are playing a brilliant game of chicken that they can't lose. Um, the Vikings are doing exactly the right thing. And look, they, they have a history since the Wilfs bought the team in 2005 of taking guys like Cook going into their second contract and paying them well. And you know what? That's a great tone to set. I, I think it gets people here. I think it makes you look professional. But every once in a while, you have to realize that there's an exception to the rule, right? You tell me this, Phil Mackey. Knowing what you know about every piece of leverage that the Vikings have, the position that Dalvin Cook plays, and his history with injuries, what is your incentive to give him an extension of any sort right now? Uh, I agree. I think think you've nailed it in that the two options for the Vikings are you can— well, three options. You could overpay him relative to what you want to pay him. So the Vikings have made an offer that they feel is fair to the player and fair to their salary cap situation and the unknown going forward. So you can your choice number one is you can overpay and satisfy Dalvin, and now you're now you're sort of stuck with a bloated running back contract. Option number two is you can basically just wait and See if he accepts your current offer, which is more than he's making right now, but not as much as some of the top running backs in the NFL. And option three is you can pull your offer and say, all right, well, whatever. We'll just either franchise tag you at the end of the year or uh, we'll, I don't know, let you let you walk or trade you or something else. I think this is headed toward a franchise tag. And and I even that, like, I think you should take a major, major close look at your salary cap situation and decide because next year, Christian McCaffrey's contract factors into the average of the five highest paid running backs. So uh, I believe you found it was like a $10 million franchise tag right now. 10 something for this year. It's probably going to be more like 12 or 13 next year because you have one guy making 16 and two or three guys making 12 or 13. So it's easier to overpay a guy one year on a franchise tag like the Vikings are doing with Anthony Harris than to lock into like a three-year, $30 million guarantee contract. So I'd rather franchise tag Dalvin Cook than give him a ton of money over a three-year stretch, which seems risky. Uh, but I don't think this ends with Dalvin Cook getting exactly what he wants. Well, I just think that this is one where the Vikings are doing the exact right thing. And plus, two, we don't know this yet. And this is going to be very important to keep in mind for contracts for 2021. But I believe the uh, salary cap, which stayed put for 2020, I believe it's $98 million and something. Is that correct? There is a chance that the uh, floor of that salary cap, and it's not set yet, but this is going to depend on fans in the stands eventually and things like that. But there is a chance the 2021 pandemic salary cap is going to go as low as 75 million. Okay, I don't think That's you want, man. but right. But at that point, like, let's say it crashes. Like, let's say they're like, sorry, fans couldn't be in the stands. People got sick. We had to cancel games. I don't know, but if it goes down to the floor of what it might, then I don't think you franchise them. I think you just allow him to walk. Because where's he going to go, too? I mean, nobody's going to rush to give a running back a huge contract then. So And nobody will be able to. So, so look, Dalvin Cook's a really good player. Since he's been here, I think he's been a good guy. Okay? I'm not positive, but I think so. Like, I, I've heard nothing bad about him. He's pretty good dude. Um, all of those things are fantastic, and all of those things are great. And Dalvin Cook, unfortunately for him, his timing in life for the sport he plays could, could not be worse. Uh, but if you're a Vikings fan, you should be thrilled here. And 
The last part, too, and this is going to sound brutal, but the last part is if I am the Vikings and Koobs and Zimmer, I'm going to use him for everything he's worth yeah. in 2020, and that's harsh, and it's not the nicest thing to do. But it's football. It's a brutal sport. Also, you bring up so so it is a, just to be exact. The salary cap for this year is one hundred ninety eight point two million dollars. Oh, that's what it is. I'm sorry. And and it's going to be. I missed the hundred part. Right. Well, I mean, well, court, I think people can figure out quarterbacks make thirty. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's so it's one hundred ninety eight point two million dollars per club, and it's possible the NFL will decide like, hey, like all of the financial hit, we just want to take that hit in two thousand twenty one, and then and then move on with our lives. So if that thing goes down to $175 million for 2021, you're already paying a quarterback $35 million-ish to the cap. And you still have 52 other guys to pay, some of them already making like $10 or $11 million. I mean, Riley Reef right now, uh, Anthony Barr makes $14 million to the salary cap. So it just becomes a math game, and uh, we'll see what happens with these two teams. But right now, Dalvin Cook is practicing, but talks have broken down. Full deep dive into this and other topics Vikings-related on the Purple Daily Podcast, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. Gentlemen. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. I've got some Wolves speculation for you guys. Okay. Reckless? Very reckless. It's reckless in that nothing has been reported on this front. This is just a harebrained idea that I had about a month ago. Credit, I think I think Britt Robson actually also tweeted something about this a couple weeks ago, completely independent of my own musings. So so there, there so are great basketball. Think about this. So great basketball minds are thinking alike is what you're and talking And when me. people in the Twin Cities think of great basketball minds, <laughs> they think Britt Robson and Phil Mackey. No right? question about it. Side by side. Mm-hmm. So the Timberwolves need a third star at some point. Someone to mesh with Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. We've talked a lot about Devin Booker a couple times on this show. We've done the Devin Booker deep dive before the, the NBA came back to its bubble form. Just based on the fact that Booker is really good friends with Towns and Russell, and he has hinted at, if not if if not even just been full frontal, about not being thrilled with Phoenix and the inability to put a roster around him. So on the Booker front, Booker's got four years left on his deal in Phoenix, and he, whatever his value was three months ago, he went into the bubble, led the Suns to an 8-0 and bubble, and was maybe the best offensive performer in the bubble. So he's great in the bubble. He was excellent in the bubble. He was excellent out of the bubble. He's a bubble player. My point is, I think his value has right. only gone up over the last three right. months, and whatever his price tag would have been, it just feels like the Suns, they've got something special in Devin Booker. It's going to be hard to pry him away from Phoenix. I also got a DM from somebody after we did this podcast, like two, whenever it was, a month and a half ago. Somebody who, somebody from the Phoenix media sports scene who has been ingrained for 25 years, flat out DM'd, and he was like, that ain't, like, whatever, this Wolves Devin Booker thing ain't going to happen. I can tell you this, this, and this. So you've got an alternative to the Devin Booker speculation. That is correct. I like how you. Reckless speculation. Move on quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, and by the way, I still think Devin Booker would be great in a Wolves uniform. <laughs> I don't know how much defense would be played between uh, Devin Booker and D'Angelo Russell in the backcourt, but they would average like 60 points a game combined, and that'd be fun. Ben Simmons. Let's talk about Ben Simmons. Reckless speculation. The okay. former number one overall pick, one of the star and more unique players in the NBA. 
Now, why could he be available? Why would the 76ers want to trade a guy that they have been building their franchise around, a guy that just signed a max contract? Well, number one, Philadelphia, without Ben Simmons because he's injured, is down 2-0 in their opening round series. They're going to get beat in the opening round of the playoffs. It'll be another disappointing playoff performance for Philadelphia. They went from being this god-awful tanking team to being this contender for a couple years. I think they made the mistake of throttling down too aggressively by bringing Jimmy Butler in, and then he left, and they traded assets. They made the same mistake the Timberwolves made by bringing Jimmy Butler in <laughs> instead of slow-cooking their young players. And so there's there's that. There's the fact that Philadelphia has plateaued. There's the fact that people are frustrated with Ben Simmons. He's sidelined with an injury now. They're, they're frustrated with Simmons and Embiid and the inability to coexist together. There's a lot of speculation that those guys just can't really play together sure. long-term because of their styles of play, uh, their personalities. So all of those things lead me to, if I'm the Timberwolves, mm-hmm. pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. Just pick up the phone and say, all right, so you guys have a problem. You're going to have to get rid of either Embiid or Simmons. And we'd love to help you with that problem by finding a third team because the Timberwolves aren't going to... There were rumors, I think, in February before the trade deadline that the Sixers and the Warriors were talking potentially a Ben Simmons for D'Angelo Russell swap, which would have been interesting. Reckless speculation. But the Timberwolves likely wouldn't be... If they're going to acquire Ben Simmons, the the goal would be to keep D'Angelo Russell, right? So could you find a third team... The Timberwolves would have to give up like two first-round picks, whatever their high pick is, a couple first-round picks, probably a Jarrett Culver or another young player. They'd have to give up some great young or draft assets. They give those assets to the third team that's looking to rebuild and maybe trade a perimeter scorer of some kind to the Sixers who would like to pair a perimeter scorer with Embiid and get rid of... Ben Simmons, not get rid of him, but like they need something of so equal the, value for him. So the twi- the uh, Timberwolves draft picks go to Team, team X. Team X. Philadelphia gets from the, the Team wing, X. The wing scorer the wing from Team scorer, X. And Ben Simmons comes goes here. Goes to the Timberwolves and giving you a nucleus of Carl Anthony Towns, Ben Simmons, and D'Angelo Russell. Reckless speculation. And giving you a better mix of players in that you've got you've got Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell that love playing on the perimeter and shooting threes and shooting from the outside. Ben Simmons does not shoot threes. Ninety percent of his shots come from inside ten feet, even though he's a he's a six foot ten point guard who only shoots inside of okay, ten but, feet. And that doesn't drive Super you crazy weird. because the shots come so close, is that correct? Oh, I'm good with that. Yeah, okay, he, he doesn't yeah. take so any So it drives you crazy shots. if they're seventeen foot shots. And he's a great facilitator, he's a rebounder, he passes, he's just He's a uniquely skilled player in a league that shoots threes. He's a six foot ten point guard who can also play off the ball, and it would be interesting to see him like in the screen and roll game with D'Angelo Russell. Um, but if you had hmm. if you had that combination, I think it's a better trio than if it's Devin Booker, D'Angelo Russell, and Carl Anthony Towns. You want reckless speculation? Oh, you know this ain't gonna happen. How about reckless trade speculation? Your thoughts. So you're saying, so you're telling me that because the skill sets of all three players would be slightly different, and especially Simmons' skill set would be different than D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, yep. that you would actually have a better trio because you wouldn't have the redundancy, and the and where Simmons likes to shoot from doesn't wouldn't upset you or the Wolves because it actually falls within the parameters of what Correct. they of what they believe to be smart basketball. 
which um, my guy Wiggy clearly did not play. Yeah, so Wiggins and Simmons both took a lot of two pointers. Wiggins two pointers come from twenty feet away, which is the Simmons two no, pointers no. come from layup range, and that's the difference. And then you'd have you'd have three guys with different skill sets. Three guys also on max contracts, so you really wouldn't have a lot of room for role players that are making more than rookie money or veteran minimums, but that's okay. I think the Wolves should explore it. I think they should pick up the phone. I think Philadelphia is more likely to trade Joel Embiid than they are to trade Ben Simmons uh, because I think Simmons is the better player of the two and stays healthy, even though he's injured right now, stays healthy more than What's Joel Simmons' Embiid? growth um, side of things right now at this point in his career? Well, he doesn't shoot, so... He has a lot of room to grow, and right, if but I'm you saying, want to develop can, a three-point shot, can that grow though? Like, yeah, it, I, is there a feeling that that can grow? That's a good question. I mean, he did hit two three-pointers this season, so and they were early progress. on, right, or something. Right, didn't, yeah, didn't he knock down like two in the two threes in like the opening week too. of the season or something? Yeah. And then people are like, "Hey, it's coming along." Yeah, do then, I ever think he's going to turn into like Clay Thompson? No, right. But if if he could even add just like. A thirty-three percent three-point shot to keep defenders honest and to to knock them down. You like go find a spot in the corner where you can hit him from one place. You know, that's what I would recommend to him. And the Timberwolves are loaded with picks this year. This is from uh, Kyle mm-hmm. Racky at Bring Me the News, former Timberwolves.com writer too. So the Timberwolves have obviously the seventeenth overall picks of Brooklyn. They'll figure out which pick they're in the lottery, which is tonight, and they add the thirty-third overall pick and per tankathon. That is the most draft value in the draft. The, the 33rd pick? Uh, all, yeah, all these three oh, picks. all three combined. So they had the most draft value in the draft. So yep. they can definitely use it to probably move things up. So if there was a team, because let me back up a step for what Declan, let's say the Wolves get like the second overall pick or something, all right? Or even the third overall pick. I mean, if it's the first overall pick, they could pretty much pick their veteran player because, or they can decide to draft that young player. But I think they're at a point where Towns and D'Angelo contractually, age-wise, those guys are 23, 24 years old, adding a 19-year-old rookie and then having to develop him for two or three years only pushes Cat and Russell closer to free agency. So I think if you could if you could use your draft capital to get an established third superstar mm-hmm. this offseason, mm-hmm. it changes the game for the Timberwolves, and they have the capital to do so. Can I tell you why it makes perfect sense, too? Right, right now, if you come back, and, and it's not that... Russell and Towns aren't aren't good players and can't be exciting because I think they can be. But right now, if you come back, so let's say you take, let's say you get the second overall pick or something like that and you draft a player and, okay, he's going to be good, but you don't know yet and the draft can be a crapshoot. Um, and you're trying to sell this team or it's been sold. I still contend that of the major sports teams that play in this market, the Timberwolves right now are the most off the map. Like they haven't played in months. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a challenge to sell tickets previously if you go the Mackie route with this and let's say you do try and get that third star well now you got something to sell right and now you've got intrigue and now and now you can take a marketing campaign out there uh that feels fresher as well Mm -hmm. so i think from a business standpoint what you're saying right or wrong from a basketball standpoint and it might be right but from a business standpoint with Glenn Taylor trying to sell this team, it makes perfect sense because you are going to have to do something, I believe, beyond Russell to re-engage this community in that team. Uh, yes, and I think they're looking to do it. I think I, I think they're look, looking to do it from a basketball standpoint first, but sure. I, I think they're I really think they're actively aggressively pushing to make a deal like this. 
they know and they have talked very much publicly and privately that a third superstar is necessary. I mean, the Lakers have two, and they might get beat in the first round of the playoffs. Like, you need, you just need top-end talent, and then you can f- kind of figure out your role players after that. That's my theory. Reckless speculation. Ben you, Simmons. You and Brett Robson off the rails reckless. Mm-hmm. Make the phone call. That's right. Two of the brightest basketball Make minds. The, I'm sure Gerson has, man. I, I don't think Gerson has any problem <laughs> making phone calls. No. He's the guy in the fantasy league that just sends you like nine emails a day. It's like, it's like dude, dude, I have a job. I yeah, Gerson, I can't do this all the time. Gerson, it's John. I can't do this all the time. So that's a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily. Reminder, tomorrow, 48 hours, we're going back to the early 80s, Eddie Murphy's first ever cinematic adventure from 1982 on Action Movie Rewind. And uh, let's just say that I don't think they could air that movie in its entirety. Anymore. No. <laughs> Yikes. We'll do a deep dive tomorrow on Action Movie Rewind, and we appreciate you hanging out with us here. We'll see you tomorrow. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.